Hello everyone, I am Jonathan Little. Welcome to episode 204 of Weekly Poker Hand. Today we have a somewhat standard spot that comes up frequently, but if you mess up the spot, it's going to cost you a lot of money on a very regular basis. So we are playing 555 at Stone's Gambling Hall. Um, if you are listening to this on iTunes, be aware that you can watch the video with the live action on jonathanlittlepoker.com WPH. I also have a blog post each week that I post that a lot of my students enjoy, so make sure you check that out. Um, so anyway, here, looking around the table, we have a few reasonable hands. We have Jason, under the gun plus one. Remember, from the pre previous few episodes, Jason seems to be quite aggressive. He has 10-9 offsuit, and he's going to raise to 30 bucks. Um, then we have Frank with ace jack of clubs under the gun plus two, which is basically second position now that we're playing 555. With ace jack of clubs, he's definitely going to stick around. We also have um, queen jack offsuit in the cutoff that may call, but everyone else has garbage. So starting it off right, Jason Lexter raised 10 9 offsuit under the gun plus one, and this is a clear error. If you are opening the offsuit connected hands like 10 9, 8 7, jack 10, Queen 10, Queen Jack. These hands from early position are garbage. They are not profitable to play. If you play these hands, expect to lose. One of the, not necessarily biggest, but most frequent mistakes people can make is to play the wrong hands before the flop because every time you're dealt them, if you play them incorrectly, you're just giving away some small amount of equity. And when you raise this 10-9, don't get me wrong, it's not like you're just lighting your whole raise on fire, which is often what happens in river decisions. Um, but instead, when you raise to 30 here, maybe you lose like $2 on average or $3 on average. And that may not sound like a whole lot, but if you do this every single time you have this situation come up, you're going to be losing 2 or $3 every orbit. And that starts to really cut into your win rate. So you have to fold these hands. The offsuit hands like 10-9 and jack-10 and 8-7 and 7-5 are just not playable. So anyway, Jason plays it from early position. He thinks it's playable. Frank likes to call with ace jack of clubs, which I think is great. And I think everyone else at this table should fold. Um, queen jack offsuit in the cutoff may look like a playable hand, but facing an under the gun raise, even from an aggressive player like Jason, is just not a good enough hand to justify calling. Also, Frank has been playing reasonably in this session, and ace jack of clubs is a fine hand, right? So, I mean, it's not like he's doing anything absurd here. So, given Frank's playing reasonably, Jason is raising early position into everyone else. I think it's perfectly fine to fold stuff like queen-jack offsuit. Like I was just saying, you don't want to raise with it from early position. You don't really want to call with it from late position unless your opponents are really loose and particularly bad. And I don't think either of these players are particularly bad. So I would definitely fold the queen-jack. If you are going to play queen-jack offsuit in the cutoff, you want to be three-betting it. You don't want to be calling it because when you call, you're really relying on making the best hand. And it is hard to make the best hand with a hand that's going to make a lot of medium-pair marginal kickers. So... This is a spot where if you're going to play the queen jack, you want to three bet it to about $170 and really apply aggression and apply pressure onto your opponents. 10-7 um, offsuit on the button may want to play, but it absolutely should not. So we go to the flop. Heads up. Flop comes. Ace-6-5. So Jason has nothing. Frank has top pair with a jack kicker. This is a spot where when the pot's $70, Jason's going to want to bet. This is a spot where <laughs> I say he has a range advantage, but if he's opening 10-9 offsuit from under the gun plus one, he does not have a range advantage. Um, if 
his opponents think he has a range advantage. And if he thinks he has a range advantage, then he should certainly bet small with the vast majority of his range, including some bluffs, and this is certainly a bluff. This may be a hand you can just check fold with because this 10-9 is really, 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 really bad. Like it has no backdoor outs or anything. I mean, I guess it can get 8-7, but that's pretty optimistic. When you are bluffing, you typically want to have at least some equity. And um, very rarely do you just have no equity and no limit hold'em, but this is a spot where you may. Anyway, if he's going to bet, I would bet small. We're just trying to get stuff like queen high, king high, jack high to fold. So pot 70 bucks, I would bet something like 30. He bets 40, which is reasonable. And now I think Frank has a very easy call. If you think about Jason's range, Jason should have, well, his whole range. If he has a hand like ace-king, Frank really wants to minimize his losses. If he has a hand like 10-9, like he does, Frank really wants to keep Jason in the pot because 10-9 is drawing dead. So calling does both, right? It minimizes your losses when you're beat, and it also maximizes the amount you can win when your opponent has total garbage. So this is a spot where you definitely want to call with all of your marginal aces. If he had two pair, he should probably go ahead and raise. If he had 8-7 for a straight draw, he should probably raise. And if he had ace-king, I guess you can raise that too, but that's a hand that I often just call with in, as well in this spot, just because there are very few draws you want to be raising. As there are fewer draws you want to raise, you should be less inclined to raise with your good but non-nut value hands. And on ace-6-5, no suits... Um, I mean, like, what draws are there? There's only 8-7. And even then, you may not even call preflop with 8-7 suited. So it's hard to find draws in this spot. Therefore, you should probably call with most of your range in Frank's shoes. So he does call. Good call. I would act... A, uh, Frank called somewhat quickly. It's one of the benefits of using these live hands as opposed to my replays. Um, we saw Frank just kind of instantly called, like, yep, I'm in. I would definitely tell Frank to slow down, make it a little bit less clear that he likes his hand. And in this spot, if he kind of hemmed and hawed just a second, don't get me wrong, don't be a super Hollywooder, but if he did just him and haw for a second or two, or at least act like he was thinking about it for a second or two, that may induce Jason to continue bluffing, which would be great for, flank, for, for Frank. Um, when he snap calls, though, I don't think Jason's going to keep bluffing very often if he has total air. Um, what a lot of the best players do is they just try to take the same amount of time every time, which usually is 10 or 15 seconds, and then they just put their money in. They don't snap call anything or take forever in some spots. It's try to go the same speed in all scenarios, which is usually the strategy I subscribe to, but I'm, I'm usually going pretty fast pre-flopping on the flop because it's often not that hard. All right, so anyway, turn is another ace, and now Jason has to decide if he wants to keep bluffing, but I think this is a horrible spot to keep bluffing. Obviously, Jason could have hands like ace-king and ace-queen in his range, and he certainly does, but he also has a lot of garbage, and he has to figure out which garbage does he want to give up with. So the question is, what garbage has almost no equity? And you can happily fold if your opponent bets, and that's going to be stuff like 10-9 offsuit. If he had a hand like 8-7 suited or 9-8 suited, basically hands with a gut shot or an open-ended straight draw, or hands with a backdoor flush draw because the ace of diamonds came on the turn, putting up two diamonds, those are hands you probably want to keep bluffing with, and you also want to keep betting with your aces but the rest of the garbage you probably just want to check. Now, one problem with checking here with hands like pocket jacks, for example, or pocket queens, is that if you check and your opponent bets, you need to be aware that your range may be somewhat weak. So if that's the case, you may want to start checking with some aces as well, like ace three suited if you open that from early position. 
Um, that's going to protect your checking range so that you're not just always check folding. You really don't want to be in a spot against aggressive players, particularly, where you are frequently check folding because if you're check folding everything, well, that makes you pretty easy to play against, right? So um, anyway, I would check in Jason's shoes and be done with his hand. Pretty easy. Now, in Frank's scenario, he has to ask, okay, turns an ace, how much should I bet? Pot's 150 bucks. We have trips. We have what is almost certainly the best hand. And I just told you, if Jason is playing this hand slowly, it's going to be like ace three and we still be ace three. So we have the nuts. Question though is, how do we get called on the turn and the river or induce bluffs from a hand like maybe nine, eight that just decided to check and then may decide to get frisky? How do we get two streets of value from the marginal made hands or induce bluffs? Well, the answer is you want to bet small. This is a spot where when Jason checks the turn, his range should be very marginal made hands and total garbage. And against a range of marginal made hands and total garbage, ace-jack is just a super nuts and all those opponents, all the opponent's hands are pretty much drawing dead. So knowing that, you want to bet very small here with your whole range. Once you survive the flop bet and the opponent checks, this is a spot where Frank can bet small, like $40 or $50. And notice here, if he keeps men with any of those hands I just mentioned, that's a good success because all those hands are drawing nearly dead. Um, one thing a lot of amateur players or recreational players do in this spot is they will bet pot or bigger than pot, thinking, oh, I really don't want to get outdrawn by that backdoor flush draw or the 8-7. But your opponent probably doesn't have 8-7 or a backdoor flush draw because they would have keep betting them, right? They, they would just continue betting on the turn. So when he checks, you can pretty confidently bet small in this scenario. And by betting small here, it also makes your bluffs very, very cheap. And notice if Frank did decide to float the flop with something like king, queen of spades, he can just bet small on the turn. He's going to pick up the pot a lot of the time. And that's going to put his opponents in really, really crappy spots. Maybe not even king, queen of spades. Maybe something like jack, ten of spades if he decides to float. So anyway, I think Frank probably could have used a slightly smaller bet in that scenario. And also, his opponent probably could use a slightly smaller bet on the flop. So pretty interesting spot that comes up often. And if you are doing any of those things wrong on a regular basis, you're certainly costing yourself money. You will find that these small errors may not seem significant because really that was not a big pot, right? But if you make small errors on a very regular basis, you're just going to, it's going to be impossible for you to be a winning player. I mean, if you spew off one big blind every orbit, well, there goes all of your profit if you're a good player. So don't do that. That's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you all for being here. If you have not already, sign up to my training site, pokercoaching.com. There I have a ton of interactive hand quizzes and also a lot of homework questions where I will present a situation like this and I'll ask you, how should Frank play his whole range on the flop? How should he play his whole range on the turn? And maybe I even give you a river scenario where his opponent check calls and then we have to figure out what to do on the river. And thinking about these spots and testing yourself with these spots ahead of time will allow you to know definitively what to do when you're playing in game. And that's going to allow you to make much, much better decisions. So sign up at pokercoaching.com for a completely free trial for one week and, um, you know, go through, binge it, cancel on me. Doesn't matter to me. I just want you all to get better at poker and see the results you want to see. So go check it out. Let me know what you think and I'll talk to you next time.